Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. You can also hop on over to the KPL app chat. Leave me a message there like addressing those as they come in. Like having those conversations, like you guys being involved. Always a treat to be with you guys. And we have a lot to talk about, particularly on the national side. Now, for those of you who listened to the last hour of the Dan Bongino show uh, uh, with his fill-in guest, had a guest on talking about uh, the Ron DeSantis campaign. And uh, that particular guest was very negative on Ron DeSantis. I think it's very, very early, a little too early to be making proclamations about anybody being dead in the water. But, of course, that that feeds the clicks, that feeds the, the that that makes everybody just want to, you know, be part of that conversation. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's his campaign's dead in the water. Yeah, he can't go anywhere. Yeah, and, or people, the opposite. Uh, no, Ron DeSantis is going to be our candidate, whatever the case may be. I think it's really too early to make any proclamations like that. But all of that said, I've been telling you guys for a while, there is a candidate to watch out for. And it's not Vivek Ramaswamy. It's not Nikki Haley, not Chris Christie, not Mike Pence. It is Tim Scott. Told y'all that if I could vote right now, I would probably vote for Tim Scott. I think Tim Scott probably, there's there's no real data that's been taken on this to see, but probably Tim Scott has the best general election electability for a multitude of reasons. Um... The problem with Tim Scott is that the Republican base wants somebody who is more of a fighter. And Tim Scott is a happy warrior, but the emphasis is on the happy rather than the warrior, if you get what I mean. Tim Scott's not going to be that brawler. He's not going to be that guy who's going out there and socking it, you know, to his opponents or whatever. He's, he's That's just not how he is. But I think it's past time for a lot of people to start really paying attention to Tim Scott. Most of the buzz out there for this Republican primary is on Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. They are the two leaders. Trump has a big lead over DeSantis, but Trump also has all of his legal issues. Ron DeSantis in a distant second place, but still well ahead of everybody else. However, his campaign has been stagnant. There are concerns that there will be money issues down the road. There are some worries about DeSantis. He is in the middle of a campaign reset. He is in the middle of of shuffling campaign staff. There's a lot going on behind the scenes for Ron DeSantis. And it's more like a, a soft relaunch that we're about to see. From what I've been told... There's an economic plan coming. There's already been an immigration plan. Uh, We got 
a little more in that uh, Jake Tapper interview, a little more on some of his ideas on foreign policy. So he's starting to roll out things that are not just the woke culture war stuff. And that's good for DeSantis. He needs that. But there's something that DeSantis doesn't do, that Trump doesn't do, that Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson and Larry Elder, and I'm amazed that I remembered Asa Hutchinson and Larry Elder were, were running. I'm amazed that I remember Doug Bargum is running because those candidates put you to sleep. But anyway, all of those candidates, they're missing something. And it's the one thing that Tim Scott does virtually at all, but does way better than everybody else. When Jimmy Carter ran for president, his campaign was focused on, I'm a candidate who's going to serve you for a change. For Ronald Reagan, it's morning again in America. George H.W. Bush was basically just kind of continuing on from that. Bill Clinton worked on a message of economic hope. George H.W. Bush ran on a message of hope that there was something coming down the pike that would be beneficial. Just vote for me. We're going to be happy. We're going to be okay. Barack Obama, hope and change. Literally, that was the slogan. 2016, a little bit different. 2016, kind of an outlier in all this. Then you have Joe Biden. Joe Biden said, I'm going to return to normalcy. We're going to get back to the way things are. We're going to get back to the business of American governance. No more of the drama. No more of the anger and bitterness and divisiveness. That was his campaign thing. Ran a campaign from the basement, still won. But you see the pattern here. The pattern, going back to Jimmy Carter, is we have to have an optimistic message. Right now, the Republican Party, the Republican candidates, are focusing on the change and hope and change, and they're not talking enough about the hope. Tim Scott's talking about the hope. Tim Scott, as a result, is seeing slow and steady growth in his polling numbers. He's seeing a lot more donors look at him. He's starting to make some changes in the landscape, in the electoral landscape, where the polling is concerned. And that's a good thing. Because you can't just win on the woke stuff. You can't just win on the everything sucks right now and it's all the other person's fault. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. But what you got to note, what you've got to understand, is that people are looking at Tim Scott. Tim Scott has gone from 1% in the polls to as high as 11%, currently averaging 7% in Iowa. In New Hampshire, Tim Scott.
averaging 6%. Chris Christie doing better in New Hampshire, but Chris Christie is an East Coast Republican. In South Carolina, Nikki Haley is still in third place, averaging about 13%, but Tim Scott is on the rise and Haley's on the decline. In Florida, Tim Scott has to work his way up. But he is. His numbers are moving up. Tim Scott's numbers in most of these state polls are moving up. And it's because it's because he's offering a message of hope. He's offering voters the chance to recognize that, yes, things are bleak, but I believe in the promise of a better and brighter America. I believe that a morning is returning to America. And people are latching on to that. I've mentioned time after time, Americans sit around the kitchen table. And they worry about a lot of these issues. They worry about the economic side of it. They worry about their wallet prices, inflation, a possible recession. How many places do you go to right now that are understaffed? Any, any business that you may go to, how many of them are understaffed right now? How many people have withdrawn from the workforce? How many, if you're a business owner, how hard is it for you to find work right now? Prices are going up not just because of inflation, but because you have to raise salaries to try to find workers, try to entice workers to come in. And because you're having to pay more in salaries, your prices have to go up to make sure you don't end up in the red. And so if you're a consumer, you're worried about prices going up. And how are you going to afford all this? If you are a business owner, you are worried about all of your costs going up. And people are very worried about that. And then you have a guy who stands up on a podium at a rally and says, everything is bleak right now. I know it's bleak. That's why you've got to vote for me. And Tim Scott walks out and says, I know you feel the pain. I do, too. I know Americans are feeling a lot of pain right now, but I'm here to tell you that help is on the way. There's a difference between everything sucks, vote for me, and I'm here to help you. On the face of it, it doesn't sound a whole lot different, but when you listen to it tonally, there's something very different there. And it offers voters something they're not getting from the other candidates. The person who's been consistently on the rise is Tim Scott. Donald Trump has been stagnant at the top. Fluctuates here or there depending on the state, but for the most part has been relatively stagnant at the top. Ron DeSantis been relatively stagnant in second place. The only person who's really consistently growing is Tim Scott. Now, if, you're, if Tim Scott's not your guy, that's fine. I'm not telling you who to vote for. But what I am saying is that other Republican candidates need to start noticing. Now, other Republican candidates, and particularly the super PACs behind them, they're taking notice of Tim Scott, and what they're deciding is that we need to attack Tim Scott. There's going to be oppo dumps on him. There's going to be all this 
negative rhetoric that comes out about Tim Scott. Oh, he's not ready. Oh, he doesn't have the experience. Oh, he's never faced a real primary challenge, this, that, and the other. The long knives from the Republican side are going to come out from him. But candidates need to look at his message and start going with that. They need to adopt Tim Scott's message if they want to try to break through their individual ceilings. Are they going to do that? I have no idea. We'll see. Let's take this break. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. I will take your calls, your messages on the app, and have more of your news of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Stick around, y'all. If you're looking for more great conservative content throughout the day, why don't you head on over to my site, redstate.com. I'm a senior editor over there, and I work with a lot of great conservatives putting out a lot of great news and opinion each and every day. Plus, if you use my name, Joe, as the promo code, you can subscribe with a discount to our VIP section where you'll get a ton more great content that you won't find anywhere else. Check out redstate.com today. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. But you can also send a message through the KPL app chat. We've had a few come in. I want to address those real quick. Uh, Pop from Lafayette. Donald Trump's only legal issues are made up of witch hunts by the corrupt Democrat Party. They've become like Venezuela and are trying to take a political prisoner. If Trump had real legal issues, the American people would know and he wouldn't be leading the pack. Except Donald Trump isn't leading the pack among the American people. He's leading the pack among Republican voters. Which is fine. He can win the primary. In fact, right now at the elections held today, Donald Trump wins the primary and the conversation becomes, will Donald Trump be able to overcome Joe Biden? K-Dog in Lafayette, who apparently has not listened to a word I've said before, says, wasting your vote, have fun in the Ron camp, not listening anymore to you. Sorry, why not talk about who is leading the polls? So, in the interest of getting to K-Dog's point, let's talk about who's leading the polls. Tony Fabrizio and John Anzalone. Fabrizio is a Republican who was a pollster for Trump, and Anzalone, or Anzalone, is a pollster who has worked for Biden. They work together. They do a very good bipartisan polling together. In their latest analysis of 40 swing districts, in a general election runoff, Joe Biden beats Donald Trump by four points. In the same general election runoff, DeSantis ties with Joe Biden. Most Republicans are treating the primary as though it's the general election, and it's not. And that's what you have to remember. Donald Trump has to get through all of these primary opponents and then go up against Joe Biden. It's quite a different race to run. Now, Mike sends the right message here, and this is where Donald Trump's strength is. Mike from Brobridge writes, I think most people will vote for Trump because they remember how good they had it when he was president. All he has to say is, I'm going to bring us back to when I was president. You know what you are getting with him. Everyone else is a gamble. And that's going to be the path that Donald Trump takes in the general election. But again, he's got to get there. The primary and the general are not the same. A lot of 
Republican voters who are very passionate about their particular candidate, whoever it is, they're treating the primary like the general election, and that's just not it. That's not it at all. On the average, on the average, Trump and Biden are either tied with maybe Trump edging out a little bit, but it's not a guarantee in the general election. That's why he and these other candidates have to start talking the more hopeful message. That's my point here. Let's take this break. We'll be back in a minute here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Hey, this is Joe Cunningham, and you're listening to the podcast version of my daily radio show. Now, if you want to listen live, all you need to do is download the KPL News app to your phone. You can listen live every weekday from 3 to 4 p.m. and communicate with the show using the app's chat feature. So go over to your app store, download the KPL News app, and listen to my show every day from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation or use the KPL app chat. Uh, Pop, who had, I had referenced in the previous segment, uh, pushed back on me a little bit saying there are plenty of polls that show Donald Trump up over Biden. There's two in the last month or so that have Trump up, and here's the problem with them. One is mid-June, and that's from Rasmussen. And Rasmussen polling has not been good at all. They, they have not been good for a while. The other is the Harvard-Harris poll. And the reason why I'm skeptical of that one is the methodology in it. They are an outlier. Um, 2,000 registered voters, and Harvard-Harris has Trump up plus five. Quinnipiac had Biden up plus five. Yahoo News has Biden up plus four. Morning Consult had Biden up plus two. The Economist YouGov poll and the Messenger Harris poll are the ones probably the best, although they too use registered voters. And they both have a tie between the two. And statistically, when you look at it, Biden's averaging about a half point higher in the polls than Donald Trump. Now, I say all of that to say this again. If the election were held today, based on the numbers that we've seen in the polling, the general is very close. Donald Trump wins the primary, but the general will be very, very close. And it's not a guarantee based on the current lay of the land. But there's a reason we have a long time until we get there. Plenty of time for any of the candidates, be it Trump, be it DeSantis, be it Tim Scott, be it Nikki Haley, whoever, to change. Now, the last message in the app chat I want to get to before I move on to the next subject is from Chris in New Iberia. Trump needs to be at the debates. I do not like the idea of him and Tucker doing something the same night of the Fox debate. And I think Chris is right there. Now, as of right now, as of right now, Donald Trump statistically does not have any reason to be at the debate. You run a pretty big risk if you are that far ahead and you have a misstep on stage, 
with the entire Republican base watching, and you know they're going to be watching. But something else they're watching for is just who's out there and who's getting their word out and what word are they putting out. See, if Donald, if, if, if Donald Trump were to stumble at the first debate, which is next month, held by Fox News, if he were to stumble there, he might drop a few points, but he doesn't fall into second place. Ron DeSantis would need a very good night next month in order to overcome Trump. I don't see that happening, even if Trump's there and even if Trump screws up beyond all belief. So Trump may risk dropping a few points if he doesn't have a stellar debate performance or if somebody else on stage has a really, really, really good performance. But he doesn't immediately lose that first place spot. But Trump needs to be out there in front of the voters, not with Tucker Carlson in a one-on-one, not talking to Tucker Carlson, but talking to the American people. That's what the debates are for. Forget the winner or loser aspect of a debate. It's a messaging place. It's the stage where you get your message on whatever policy out in front of your audience. That's why Trump, I really do think, needs to go be at every debate. He needs to be there. He needs to be out there reiterating what he's going to do. But now there's something else for Republicans in general. My, the other thing I wanted to talk about today, there was a story in USA Today today. That sounds weird to say, USA Today today. This morning at USA Today, they have a story about an upcoming state constitutional amendment in Ohio. And that amendment would enshrine the right to an abortion in Ohio. And that story, like many other stories about that issue, is kind of thrown back at conservatives and thrown back at Republicans. Is like, ha-ha, in your face, we're winning. And it may, it may be true that the left is winning on the issue of abortion politics. My theory has long been... Republicans chased Roe versus Wade so much they had no idea what to have in place after that. And they've, they've dropped the ball on abortion, on anti-abortion ballot initiatives in the, in the states. Uh, the, I think the polling has been very clear and the Republicans have kind of pushed really far in trying to go with the ban aspect of it rather than cutting back on abortion in states where it's legal. Move the ball down the field rather than throw a Hail Mary every single time. But even if conservatives are destined to lose on the issue in purple and blue states, Republicans and conservatives have already won where it truly matters. Republicans won on abortion on a constitutional level. The Constitution does not give you a right to an abortion. Nowhere does that appear in the Constitution. 
What's more, nowhere in the Bill of Rights are you given a right to an abortion. The right to an abortion was based on an implication of an implication of an implication. You have to do a whole lot of stretching to get yourself there. And that's what the Supreme Court did in Roe versus Wade. And it has been an affront to constitutional law. Even progressive legal scholars have pointed out the flaws of Roe versus Wade. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg argued that it was not a well-decided case. The issue of overturning Roe versus Wade was ultimately about striking down the Supreme Court's ability to create rights where there are none. See, the whole idea of rights, the reason that we have the Bill of Rights, the reason that we talk about rights is that rights exist whether or not the government does. Rights are given to you. I mean, rights are not given to you. You have the rights naturally. They occur naturally in society. A government cannot give you a right, and a government cannot take a right away. The Supreme Court cannot give you rights. The Supreme Court can affirm rights that are already in existence. Now, if the Democrats and progressives really want to enshrine a right to an abortion in the U.S. Constitution, they need to pass an amendment. They need to get control of the branches of government. They need to pass an amendment, and they need a certain number of states to adopt, to vote, to pass that amendment. And if so, abortion becomes a right. It gets amended into the Constitution. The right to an abortion is amended into the Constitution. But a court cannot arbitrarily say this right exists when it does not appear anywhere in, this, in the Constitution. Roe violated the idea that anything not specifically addressed in the Constitution was left to the states to decide. The Supreme Court cannot create rights, and it cannot say that a government has a power that is not explicitly stated in the Constitution. That's where a lot of these interpretations that have plagued the federal government, and, well, really have plagued us, have given the federal government more power, but have plagued us, that's where a lot of these problems come in. If the Constitution does not give the branch of government that power, the branch of government doesn't have that power. That power is left up to the states. If you want to create a right to an abortion because it's not in the Constitution, you pass it at the state level. That's a constitutional republic. That is what our system was built on, that every state is a laboratory for democracy. So if you don't like what's happening in one state, go to another state where they're not doing that thing. Why do you think people are getting the hell out of California and getting the hell out of New York? With the Dobbs decision, conservatives won. Conservatives, through their judges, were able to show that, no, you do not have this guaranteed right, and the federal government cannot create this right. 
If you want the ability to have an abortion, your state has to decide it. It's not a federal government issue. It's a victory for the Constitution and constitutional order. So progressives can throw the ballot initiatives in conservatives' faces all they want. Conservatives still got the, the, one of the primary victories they were looking for. Yes, there are a lot of groups that want to see abortion done away with. And I agree, abortion is a terrible thing. It is the waste, is the endless, nothing out of a human life. Which is another thing the Supreme Court did in the Roe decision. It created rights that didn't exist in the Constitution while taking away the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness from the unborn child. The Supreme Court did that in the Roe case. But now that... That's been overturned. So conservatives in conservative states can start pushing the ball down the field. They can start running, the, moving the ball down the field all they want to try to curb or curtail abortion or in some cases, like in Louisiana, obliterate it completely. And if they do that, great. And if they can do that, they need to work harder at it because now conservatives, it's your turn to start hitting the ground, hit the grassroots once again, and go state by state. You did a great job on the national stage. You laid the groundwork for the national stage beautifully, but you left a void at the state level because you didn't focus on those. So now you got to focus on the states. And progressives, if you think that a state passing a ballot initiative to enshrine abortion in your state's law is somehow a loss for conservatives, yeah, at the moral and ethical level, yes, it's a loss for conservatives because their morality is not being pushed in those state laws. But conservatives won with the Dobbs decision, the conservative victory there, the thing that made progressives act like states were going to start reenacting the handmaid's tale was the fact that the constitutional order was upheld. And that's what we have to remember. Now, conservatives... If you want to start seeing abortion outlawed in other states, because here in Louisiana, we're fine. But if you've got friends and family in other states and they're politically active, make sure they get out there. They find the local conservative groups that are pushing lawmakers to start going after it. Get the win at the state level like they got at the national level. All right, taking our final break. We'll be back. More of your comments and thoughts and the news of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Y'all stick around. You know, in case you miss any show, you can always go back and listen. They aren't lost forever once you listen to them. But I do have a request. If you guys listen to the Joe Cunningham Show and you like what you're listening to, go to your podcast app wherever you're listening to this from and give the podcast a rating and a review. That helps get the podcast out in front of more eyes so that we can help the show grow. Thanks again for listening to The Joe Cunningham Show right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Definitely uh, want to hear from you, especially those who have been active on the app. Uh, again, shout out to Pop. Even K-Dog, who said he was not going to listen to anymore. Chris, Joey, Mike, all of you who have been vocal on the app. Appreciate y'all listening and taking part. I was planning to go see Oppenheimer this weekend, and I didn't get a chance to, unfortunately. But between Barbie and Oppenheimer, 
Uh, there was $244 million at the box office. That's pretty big, uh, especially for non-comic book movies, which has kind of been the trend here lately. But Oppenheimer in particular, it intrigues me. I want to see it. There have been some folks who have said it's kind of got a uh, some elements of horror to it, but considering the considering the uh, the content horror kind of makes sense. Nicole Hannah Jones, the person behind the sixteen nineteen project, which is just. I, I cannot go into detail enough about how poorly written and researched and how just utterly false the 1619 Project is. But Nicole Hannah-Jones, ever striving to prove that she is the dumbest educated person out there, tweeted out over the weekend, you're the one who poorly understands history. They dropped the bomb when they knew surrender was coming because they'd spent all this money developing it and to prove it was worth it. She's attacking Oppenheimer for being propaganda, but what she's saying is not historically accurate. There is some debate over whether or not the entry of Russia was leading to Japanese surrender before the bomb was dropped, but the Japanese had made very clear they were not going to surrender. And if the Japanese were not going to surrender, they were going to keep the senseless fighting going. Whether you agree with the decision or not, the bomb was America's last option. We can discuss the morality and the ethics of the bomb, but the fact is the Japanese weren't planning to surrender before it. And it certainly wasn't just dropped to justify the money spent on it. There's plenty of literature out there that goes over the agonizing decision-making process. But, of course, if you selectively edit history to make it look as bad as as possible for America, which is what Nicole Hannah-Jones and her sponsors at the New York Times do, then, yeah, I guess that would be the interpretation you have of, of history. All right, you guys have a great day. Talk to you again tomorrow. Absolutely, uh... Looking forward to the rest of this week. A big week coming up in news, I think. We'll be here for every bit of it here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Shannon is off sides next here on News Talk 96.5. You guys have a great, great evening.